As you're being seated, if you'll go ahead and find your Bible, open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22 today. In our first Wednesday prayer service uh, this week, we looked at Proverbs chapter 3. And there's a famous proverb in 3.6 that says that we are to acknowledge God in all of our ways and that God will direct our paths. Have you ever thought about the will of God? And how it usually reveals itself little by little. To me, it would be easier if God would just give me a daily email and maybe some reminder text and an alarm, you know? And He would just make it really clear okay, here's what I want you to do today, and here's what I want you to do in the coming years. But that's not how it works. You see, God wants me to be faithful to follow. And when we are faithful to follow, then God, God is faithful to lead. And one step at a time, one day at a time, God reveals His will and He leads us. When we arrive at Luke chapter 22, we are now in the moments before the passion story. In just a few hours, a few moments, God's divine will will be on full display when Jesus is taken to Calvary, crucified, and there he offers the atonement for our sins. Now, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ should not be understood as merely someone who truly believed in his cause to the degree that he was willing to die. But the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is understood as an atonement. He is making an atonement for our sins. And the atonement is the most significant moment in human history. Through Christ's death and his resurrection, God brings the provision of salvation to everyone, no matter your past, no matter who you are. Every man, woman, boy, and girl can look to the cross, repent of sin, place his or her faith in Jesus Christ, and experience the salvation that God has brought near to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. The atonement was about to take place. And God would use Jesus' disciples to transform the world. Eventually, these disciples that followed Jesus for three years, they would go and establish the New Testament church, and they would be perhaps the most influential people other than Christ who have ever lived. But at this moment, he simply wanted them to be faithful to follow. So look with me to verse 7. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us so we can eat it. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters and tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make preparations there. Well, in this text, it is the Passover season. This is the biggest, most uh, grand time 
in the Jewish calendar. And the highlight of the Passover week was a large meal, the Passover supper. And so Jesus elects Peter and John to go and prepare the meal. Why Peter and John? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they were the best cooks of the twelve. After all, they were fishermen, and so perhaps they were famous for their Sea of Galilee fish fries. <laughs> I don't know, but they, they were good cooks, evidently. And so Jesus tells them to go and prepare the meal. And I love the instruction here. Here's what Jesus says. Go to the city, look for a man with a water jug, follow him, Tell him that the teacher needs your guest room. Now why? Why didn't Jesus just give them an address and then they could look it up on Google Maps and they could have turn-by-turn instructions? Why didn't he just say, this is the house that you need to go to? The reason was because Jesus wanted his disciples to be faithful to follow. And when we are faithful to follow... God will always be faithful to lead. Do you realize that in your own life, God wants you to be faithful to follow? We often talk about following the plan. And I don't think it's bad to have plans or to set goals. In fact, I think that successful people usually have written goals in their life. But you know what's more important? than following the plan. What is more important is following our God. Cast your eyes on your God because the Lord will always be faithful to reveal His plans when we are faithful to follow. So, the plan begins with the disciples going to the city and they are to look for a man with a jar. Now, that was actually rather unusual in that day and time because the men would not carry the water jars. That was considered to be something that the ladies did. So Jesus says, look for a man carrying a water jar, follow him, and then cook. So in verse 13, they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now zero in on this verse right here. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, the Passover meal was a celebration of the past. If you go back in Jewish history, you find in the book of Exodus, the nation of Israel was in slavery, a torturous slavery where they had no hope. Children did not grow up with dreams. There was not much joy on their lips. But then God raised up a liberator by the name of Moses, and God miraculously delivered the people of Israel from slavery. You may remember the ten plagues. How many of y'all remember the ten plagues? I, I won't make you recite them today, but you remember the story of the ten plagues in Egypt. And the final plague, the tenth plague, is often called the death angel. And so what the people of God were to do was they were to sacrifice a lamb 
and they were to put the lamb's blood on the doorpost. And that evening, whenever the death angel passed by, if the blood was on the doorpost, then everybody was okay. But if there was no blood on the doorpost, then the oldest son of that household would die. That evening, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, his own son, died. And so the next day, he calls Moses in and he basically says, take your people and go. You guys are out of here. We don't want you here anymore. Just go. And so this Passover meal was supposed to be a time when the people of Israel would come together, celebrate family, experience joy, and they would remember this historical event when God delivered his people. Whenever you read the Bible, understand that many of the Old Testament events point to their or find their fulfillment in Jesus. For example, Noah and the ark. We believe it was a real story, the ark of Noah and the flood, but it also had a symbolic meaning. Those that were in the ark were rescued. They were saved, and it pointed to its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, that those of us who are in Christ, who God sees in Christ, we have salvation in Christ. You may remember the brass serpent in the wilderness where the serpent was lifted up on the pole, and all those that looked upon the serpent, uh, they would live and they would not die. It, was, it found its fulfillment in the cross. You remember the sacrifices of the temple where they would sacrifice these various animals. All those sacrifices were symbolic. They were pointing forward in time and they would find their fulfillment in Jesus. That's why we don't sacrifice lambs anymore at church because that has found its fulfillment in Jesus. So in verse 15, Jesus gathers the disciples and he says, I have been looking forward. I've been looking forward to this Passover meal. And know this, this is the last one. Because it's about to fulfill its meaning in me. Men, for centuries, our fathers, our grandfathers, they ate this meal. And as they partake, partook in the Passover meal, it pointed to what I'm about to do on the cross. At this point, Jesus began to take their past, and he brought it to the table. Look at verse 17. The Scriptures say, Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant Established by my blood, it is shed for you. So catch what Jesus is doing here. The Passover meal was a memorial to a past event. But Jesus is transforming its meaning. He's telling his disciples that in the future, this meal is going to represent 
the new covenant. You say, well, what is the new covenant? The new covenant is the relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. We have salvation. We experience the new covenant through our salvation. And because of our salvation, we have forgiveness of sin and we have relationship with God. That's the new covenant. So on the menu that evening, the disciples would have eaten, a, eaten some lamb meat. They would have eaten unleavened bread. And the unleavened bread symbolized how they had to leave Egypt really quickly before they could gather their things. They also would have eaten some bitter herbs, which symbolized the pain and the difficulty that they had experienced in slavery. And then they would have drank some wine. Now, understand that the word used as wine in the Bible was actually a heavily diluted water, grape juice type mix. It actually is quite a bit different than what you would find as wine in the 15, 20 aisles at Kroger. It was a little bit different, but uh, they used it in most of their meals. And John tells us that Jesus, the Gospel of John tells us that Jesus began the evening with a show of humility and a show of love. He washed the disciples' feet. Generally, that was the job of the doulos, the lowliest slave. And Jesus washed their feet, even Judas' feet. Jesus washed. He showed his love and he showed his humility to the man who was about to betray him. And Judas' response was evil, arrogance, and betrayal. Sometimes people say, well, Judas was just doing what he was supposed to do. Uh, understand, Judas was not a robot. Judas was a responsible human being who had rejected Jesus Christ and had made his own decision. But in so doing, God, in His sovereignty, used G Judas's actions to fulfill the prophecy of God. You can reject the plan of God in your arrogance, but you are powerless to escape the plans of God. When God decides that something is going to happen, it doesn't matter how much you kick or scream or rebel, God's will will prevail. And so Judas leaves the room, and after that, Jesus institutes what we call the Lord's Supper. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus demonstrated his love and humility to all the disciples. He washed Judas' feet, but the Lord's Supper was only for those who were believers, the genuine followers of Christ. Now, let me say this to those that might be here today who are not yet believers in Christ. We're glad you're here. We're thankful that you're here. We're, you're welcome to be here. And if you're asking questions about Christianity, we'll do our best to answer those questions. And we hope that you experience here something that is authentic and something that is real and demonstrates to you what Christianity is all about. And I want you to know that God loves you and He desires for you to become a believer yourself. In fact... I would invite you to make today the day that you become a believer in Jesus Christ. 
We also ask that those that do not consider themselves followers of Jesus Christ, that you are respectful of what we call the Lord's Supper. It's a sacred time for us. It's a time where we remember Jesus. And for those that believe in Christ as Savior and Lord, we believe that it's, it's for those of us who are believers to celebrate and remember Christ's death and resurrection. Sometimes the Lord's Supper is called the Eucharist. The Eucharist means to give thanks. Sometimes people refer to it as communion. That means sharing. If you're familiar at all with Catholicism or Catholic theology, within Catholic theology, they believe that the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The word that they use for that is transubstantiation. Now, here's why that is somewhat significant for you to understand. Because within that stream of theology, they understand that the cross, the death of Jesus on the cross, is an ongoing sacrifice. Now, if the death of Jesus is an ongoing sacrifice, that means that your salvation has not been secured, that your salvation is not complete, that you ongoingly have to participate in your salvation. So within that stream of theology, the death of Jesus Christ continues to happen every time people partake of the Lord's Supper. You may have noticed this sometimes, those that believe in that way, whenever they have a crucifix in their home or on their neck, usually Jesus will still be on the cross. Why is that? Because theologically they understand that the crucifixion is still an ongoing sacrifice. But now in our understanding of Scripture, we believe that the cross was a once-for-all event. That on the cross, Jesus paid the price for your sins. That because of the cross, you can have forgiveness. That because of the cross, you can have salvation. Your salvation is not found because you attend church. Your salvation is not found through doing good things, partaking in the Lord's Supper, being baptized, taking a mission trip. Your salvation is, comes to you through Jesus Christ, and it has been secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. The atonement was a once-for-all event. It happened. And so the Lord's Supper, we understand, is as symbolic And we as Christians partake in the Lord's Supper in remembrance of what happened at Calvary. So that evening, the disciples ate the lamb. They ate the bitter herbs. And then Jesus took the unleavened bread and he broke it. And he said to the disciples, this is my body, which is broken for you. And whenever we eat of the bread, we remember how Christ's body was sacrificed for our sins. And then Jesus took the wine cup and he passed it around. And he told the disciples that the wine represents our salvation. It represents the new covenant, the relationship that we have between us and God through Christ. It has been established by and secured by the blood of Christ. You know, today is a day 
of new beginnings. And sometimes we need to take the past and bring it to the table. Sometimes we need to remember. We need to remember that the the body and blood of Christ can make all things new. And so today, as we've looked at this Scripture, the way that we are going to respond is through the taking of the Lord's Supper. I'm going to give some instructions right now. You don't have to move at this point. but I just want to make sure that you understand what we're going to do. In a few moments, I'll ask everybody to stand and we'll pray. And then I'll invite you to come to the table. Our deacons will stand behind each table. There's three tables throughout the room, one here at the front, two at the back. You can go to the one nearest you. Try to kind of stand in a line as you wait so that people can walk beside you and you don't fill up the entire aisle. And I'm going to ask everybody to simply go to the table, receive the juice and the bread, and then go back to your seats. And after everybody's been served, I will lead us through the taking of the Lord's Supper today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28, the Bible says that before we take of the Lord's Supper, we ought to examine ourselves, look within ourselves. And so before we enter into these sacred moments, there's some pointed questions that we need to ask. You need to ask yourself this question. Am I, am I a believer? Is my faith in Jesus Christ? And if you are not yet a believer, then this can be your moment. This can be the moment whenever you believe. I'll be here at the front. I would be glad to talk to you and to help you believe in Christ. Any of these deacons that are serving the Lord's Supper, if you come up to them and say, today I want to believe in Christ, they will go help you. Because we want you to know what it means to be alive in Christ. But there's some other questions that we need to ask as we come to the table. Maybe we need to ask, am I angry? Has my anger taken root? And become bitterness so that I'm pouring out that anger and bitterness on the people that I love? Am I hurt? Am I frustrated? Have I become disillusioned? Am I being judgmental? Do I have a cynical spirit? that no longer exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, rather than love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness and self-control? Am I demonstrating judgment and cynicism, anger? Am I running? Is there something in my life that's causing me to run from God? Am I empty? Just needing God to fill me? Am I just tired? Needing God to bring refreshment to my soul? 
One of the beautiful things about coming to the table is that the body and blood of Jesus Christ can make all things new. It's a place of new beginnings. And perhaps we also need to ask ourselves the question, am I willing? Am I willing to come to the table? Because in coming to the table, I'm saying to God, I want to be faithful to follow. I want to cast my eyes upon my God and go wherever He leads me and follow Him in whatever He says. The Lord's table is a place where we bring the hurt and the pains of the past and it can be replaced with the forgiveness and rest of Christ. Let us come to the table. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please? As we stand, the deacons are going to move to the various tables in the room. I'll lead us in prayer, and then we'll come to the table. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that is in Christ Jesus. We thank you that because of him, all things may become new. We pray, Father, that today that we will leave some of the wounds. Pray, Father, that you will help us to leave here no longer angry, no longer frustrated, no longer disillusioned. I pray that if there is tension or strife between relationships, that that might be healed I pray, Father, that if we've lost our joy, that we might find it anew. Lord, it seems like in the world in which we live, there is so much noise and so much to do that we forget about being. And sometimes, Lord, we just need to drown out the noise and remember what's really important. And so today we remember Christ. We remember His love, His humility, His sacrifice, His death. And we remember that He conquered death and rose again. And that because of Him, all things become new. And Lord, even as we live in this world where the creation groans, longing to be set free, we also look to the hope of the day in which you will come again. The day on which we will see people that have gone before us and our love will once again be renewed. So Father, today we come to the table and I pray that you might do your work within us. In Jesus' name we pray and worship. Amen.